0: What's shaking, everybody? Uh, I've got a very special episode of the podcast for you this week. Uh, It is the reason why I did not release a podcast last week. I was busy making my first ever trip to none other than Gamble Sands uh, up in north central Washington. Um, You know, you're going to hear me and my buddy Greg talk about Gamble for uh, probably a little over half an hour. Greg was one of the gentlemen that joined me for this. uh, my first trip to what will very likely become the next spectacular destination Lynx golf resort uh, in the western United States. Uh, so far, Gamble has just a single eighteen hole golf course designed by David McClay Kidd, along with a eighteen uh, hole putting course that, you know, is a couple acres large. Um, it's just really spectacular. I mean, again, I, I don't want to blow it, you know, I don't want to ruin Greg and I's conversation, but it was absolutely magnificent. Um, it was part of a uh, you know a three day golf trip. We <laughs> we packed uh, four rounds of golf into three days. We did three rounds at Gamble Sands, as it was all of our first time up there, so we really wanted to try to uh, um, just play the course as much as possible, learn as much as we could. We got a great contact up there. The director of operations, Brian, was very kind in sharing all kinds of information with us. Uh, he was even showing us where they have the upcoming par three course staked out already. He was giving us a tour and showing us the land that the second. 18-hole golf course is going to be sitting on Where uh, he communicated to me That David Kidd says the land for the second Golf course is even Better than the land they used for the first one And I'm not going to lie Every day that I think about Gamble Sands, I like the golf course More and more, and I I loved It in the moment as I was playing It, and uh, it's just A really, really cool place And uh, I was really excited to get up there I'm very excited to share Uh you know, my experience and, and Greg's experience with you guys in this podcast and also kind of wanted to give you guys a heads up that um, Golf Guide is going to be putting together a trip to Gamble Sands later this year. That is right. So you can join myself and uh, and a few others uh, for a small, intimate, and yet very, very awesome trip to Gamble Sands in October of 2019. So um, we are going to be going up on Thursday, October the 10th, and then staying through the weekend um it was you know the 12th to saturday and then the 13th being on sunday if you want to learn more information or if you want to go and sign up for this trip uh you can go to golfguide.net and click on the events link and you will see uh um two events we have going on this year we are uh, putting together a huge trip to band dunes um in december and then we're going to be doing this trip to gamble sands um in october october 10th through the 12th with an optional um third night to stay through sunday so uh, I hope as many of you guys can join us as possible. It is going to be a wildly, wildly good time. The golf is beyond spectacular. The company is going to be great. are going to have some great food, some really cool tea prizes. So, um, If you don't have plans for October 10th, 11th, and 12th already, I would encourage you to visit golfguide.net, click on events, and come and join us for what is sure to be a really spectacular couple days of just fescue-laden Premier Lynx golf. Um, with unbelievable views. So um, with that all being said, I am going to uh, kick it over to Greg and myself. This is a conversation we recorded last week, um, but it's really, really good. Greg, thank you so much for joining me, man. I know uh, Greg has been <laughs> uh, you know, part of our band and group for a couple of years now. I know he listens to the podcast and have, actually having him on was just super awesome. He he is a natural at this kind of thing. So who knows? It, it, it's very, very likely this will not be the last time that we hear uh, from Greg. So Uh, Without any further delay, let's get to it with another episode of the Golf Guide Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Golf Guide Podcast. I am joined by a first-time guest, although... It is not a man who is unfamiliar with our program. It is one of the boys of Bannon himself, my good friend Gregory. Greg Clemmer. welcome to the Golf Guide Podcast. How are you, sir?
1: Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> <How are you?
0: laughs> but part of me really wanted to do, because I'm not even sure if I said it right, but part of me really wanted to just throw like a French emphasis on your last name and say, this is Gregory Clamier. Uh just, <laughs> just, just just, to really divert anybody who really wanted to start stalking you on social media. But now now <laughs> they know you, Then now... You just you must suffer the consequences and be ready for the cascade of golf followers that are about to dawn upon your Instagram feed.
1: Oh boy, I won't hold my breath.
0: Oh yes, OC Duck. Okay, Please, um, with you. <laughs> perfect. Well, Greg, I am very happy you're joining the me, med This we got. Um, so we have a really cool uh, episode of the podcast here this week. We're doing a little bit of a trip recap. Um, something we've done for trips to Bandon in the past, but. Uh, you and I earlier this week got to go visit a golf resort that you and I have both had our eyes on for—I think it's fair to say years—and um, yeah. it—it's something we've been really, really excited about. We've read about. Um, certainly, there's not been as much coverage about this place as other, you know, golf destinations like Sand Valley or Kohler or uh, Bandon, or you know, all that other stuff like that. And um, this was our first trip to Gamble Sands. It is a new. Well, relatively new. It's been open since 2014, but uh, an 18-hole course designed by David Kidd up in just the middle of nowhere, central north Washington. And, beautiful Brewster. Oh, beautiful, beautiful Brewster. And, Greg, I have to admit, man, I feel like every hour that I've been away from that golf course, <laughs> I find myself kind of liking it more and more. Like, I loved it in the moment. But I feel like my appreciation of the golf course itself is actually increasing as I'm further and further away from it. Have you felt anything even remotely similar, my friend?
1: It's not even just the golf course. The area in general is just different. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I mean, maybe that's why they call Montana like the big sky country. It's Mm -hmm. not too far away. It's just there's something about it. It's different. Like, it's it's bigger. It's clearer. The the blues were bluer. (laughs) I mean... <laughs> well said. Those, those listening that know me know that I am a definitely a high desert fanboy, mm-hmm. and so I was I was in heaven heaven at this place.
0: Yeah, I mean, so I, I guess that would be my, another question I have for you. Like, were you expecting like a high desert landscape, even despite seeing photographs of this golf course before we went up there, knowing it's a very linksy, it's all on fescue grass? But were you expecting it to be as to have as much of a high desert feel as it ended up having?
1: No. Oh. No. no, I was not because you know this isn't a place that you stumble upon. you know there's 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 lots of great golf courses in Scottsdale and Florida and Vegas and places that you might be for business or something. But if you're going to Gamble Sands, you're going on purpose, yeah. and you're you're putting in some effort to go there, and now i I didn't expect that at all. There's so many apple and pear orchards right along the Columbia River Gorge there, and I thought it would be more just more grasslands, more agricultural. And it really is a very gnarly place with the gorge, the three hundred and sixty degree panoramic views, looking out over the cascades, and on the other side with these steep plateaus and that like you said at best, the high desert landscape.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like as good as the golf course was, I don't think you can undersell how spectacular those views really are. I mean, and, and the thing is the variety, I mean, whether you're looking down on the gorge on the Columbia River or you're looking up into like the the, you know, the, the hills above the golf course, they're both completely stunning. Different, but both completely stunning. And just the yep. scale, man. Just like you said, like it, it, Big Sky, Montana. Like, it just seems like you were in the middle of a billion acres of open land where it's like you can just, you can see snow on mountains probably 80 miles away. Like, it, it's just nuts how massive it is up there.
1: I've, I've kind of been joking with people. I say, look, pick whatever your favorite links course is. Inject some steroids in it, and pick whatever your John Wayne, your favorite John Wayne movie <laughs> is, and inject it into the set of that movie, and that's Gamble Sands. That is. I think a lot of, <laughs> I think a lot of Californians, you know, people along the West Coast, Californians will be reminded of that, the three ninety five corridor kind of uh-huh. along the eastern areas around Mono or areas Al- like Bishop, alter, alterous, uh, Bishop, you know, all those places up there, got it. And, and people in Oregon will be reminded of the areas outside of Bend like Terrebonne, shout-out to Madras, Prineville. I think those people would feel at home up in Brewster.
0: Yeah, I I, I do not doubt that at all. And really, I love it. When I showed up, because for for everybody listening, Greg actually got there uh, one night before I did and actually was able to play one round of golf before we joined up with him in an afternoon. So you got 36 holes in the first full day of golf uh, for yourself at Gamble. I, I joined you for the afternoon 18. And by the way, man, it is incredible how much course knowledge you were able to pick up in that first 18 holes. Looking back on it and all the course knowledge you were able to share with me for that first 18 out there was not only wildly valuable, but it's also really impressive. If uh, th- you know, if the world of finance does not work out for you, I think you have got a really nice career as a caddy ahead of you, my friend.
1: <laughs> well, hitting the ball everywhere helps.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, that's and true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and also being... Being, being paired with uh, two nice gentlemen that had already been there for four days health as well. Yep. So I'll take it. I'll yep. take it. You that's, yep. you know. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: No. And that, that's things like uh, when somebody asked me, I admittedly, I stole your quote, which is exactly what you just said. And that after thinking about it a little bit more, I kind of think of Gamble Sands basically is very similar to Old Mac at Bannon in the fact that the fairways are massive, the greens are huge, lots of wild, cool undulations um, in the fairways, you know, lots of wild cool shots that you're hitting off the tee but then maybe the atmosphere there you kind of put in like a little bit of a Sylvie's Valley Ranch kind of you know rural vibe to it that's kind of a little more cowboy and then it's, cow- it's cowboy ahead. and it, it, I'm telling you man the first thing that happened I, I pull up in the parking lot I get out of the car and what do I see an effing tumbleweed blowing across, <laughs> the, across the parking lot. I was like where am I I don't know but this is awesome yeah. And, uh, uh,
1: not, in, uh, not in Chico anymore.
0: No, no. and uh, No, man. It's like, like Old Mac and Sylvie's Valley Ranch fused together on the set of a John Wayne movie. You could not have put it any more perfectly. I, that, that's exactly exactly what it felt like uh, for me. That, so, You got yeah, it. I mean, yeah.
1: The, the fir- first impressions of this place, I mean, the size, first of all, at, what is it, 600 acres for this golf course? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about your average golf course that's...
0: I mean, four times here, I live in, in, four, in yeah. County, four times
1: yeah I mean, your average golf course is probably closer to 200 acres i mean for those people that are down here in socal with me there's a resort here called pelican hill pelican hill is premier coastal resort it's got two championship courses that are fantastic big luxury resort right on the water that entire resort is 500 acres sure. both courses and the clubhouse <laughs> and the whole hotel 500 acres and this course is, is one course and it's 600 acres.
0: It really is. So, it, it really is incredible, which also is odd because for a course that takes up that much room, you would normally expect there to be like golf holes really, really spread out, you know, big, long walks or, you know, more commonly big drives from from green to the next tee. And it's amazing how spread out the golf course is while also being incredibly walkable. And I mean, th- I can't tell you in, you in, in true Lynx fashion, I mean, th- there's obviously a couple of exceptions, but... There are so many holes out there where you walk off the green, and the fringe is actually the next tee box. I mean, where you're, you're literally walking ten steps, and you are in the next tee, ready, to, ready to hit your next tee shot.
1: Earlier this morning, I was talking to somebody about it, and I referred to it as a fescue grass conveyor belt. <laughs> I mean, that's that's essentially what that's essentially what the course <clears> is. You're on uh... you're on you're the green. You're on a green which is the size of a parking lot, and it, the grass that you're on continues up a gradual slope which then becomes a teeing area It's not a designated tee box just it's still the same grass mm-hmm. it becomes a teeing area and then after you tee off you keep walking and it gradually goes down a nice little runway that becomes a fairway and then that becomes a green and then on to the next one and it mm-hmm. never stops yeah and i think that if you can keep the ball in front of you you're maybe other than just a couple of footsteps you're on grass the entire time and it's it just it's the flow of it all is
0: incredible it, it, it really is masterful. Um, You know, D- David Kidd, who designed this golf course, I I don't know how many years he was working on this place before it was completed, but I know it was a long time coming. And uh, I I don't have a ton of David Kidd golf courses that I've personally played to compare it to, but I, I actually feel pretty confident in saying this is as good as any David Kidd course that I've played. And that is including Bannon Dunes. Now, if you ask me, you know, personal preference, what do I like more, Gamble Sands or Bandon Dunes? I'm not sure what my answer would be. I might lean towards B- Bandon, I think. But the fact that I'm really considering it and, and, and have to give it a second thought at all is testament enough that, like, this place is special.
1: It is special. And he, David Kidd himself, has gone on the record and saying that he thinks that the fescue grass at Gamble Sands is the best fescue grass he's ever seen. I, I would yeah. agree yeah, I, I you
0: know, without hesitation I will already say that the fescue and the course conditions there um are as good certainly as good and likely better than what we what we've played at Bannon um, which is crazy that, that is a crazy statement to say and i do, I don't feel like I have to hesitate at all in saying that and our uh, our friend Brian who is a uh, uh the director of ops up there who kind of showed us around and um, hey, was, you know, yeah, was really, really generous with his time and helping us, you know, get up there. You know, he's like, Hey man, I'll put these, these conditions, you know, up against any golf, any fescue golf course that lets you take a cart on it. And I was like, you know what? It's kind of funny. Cause like, if you just compare it straight up with other, you know, the top, you know, the best, most well manicured fescue golf courses, it's right there on top of it. But none of those are letting golf courts, golf carts, just shred everything up. And the fact that they do allow carts out there, it's not purely walking only. And it's still in as immaculate shape as it is. Like, you got to tip your cap to the maintenance crew out there because they are doing a masterful job.
1: And it's worth noting that probably I don't know. You can confirm or deny this, but probably one in three people there was and swagged out, yes, head to toe. <laughs> so this this place, this place, it felt like a bit of a pilgrimage if you're a Lynx golf junkie. Yes, to where you know you got your you got your gear on and you're looking at everyone else saying. I, there's a reason why I'm here. Yeah. There's a reason why we're both here. We, we both know it.
0: It's it, Just like you and I, the people that are out there that have made the journey, because again, it's not close to anything. I mean, no. just like Bandon, but I don't know, Like, in your opinion, what is more remote, Gamble Sands or Bandon Dunes?
1: I think it's Gamble Sands because it's, I thought about this actually because if you're willing to pony up, you can get a flight into Coos Bay in your half-hour Drive to Bandon. Yes. And that flight's coming direct from the SFO. Mm-hmm. You're not doing that at Gamble. No. You're, I mean, and that's a testament to David Kidd for just knowing his audience and executing his vision. Because for me, coming from SoCal, I'm flying three hours. I'm over into the airport. You're driving four hours over the Cascades <laughs> along the Columbia River. <laughs> and I know, I, can, I know that you and I were both able to accomplish playing... 18 holes out there with one ball, mm-hmm. and so he he knows his audience, and that's what we're that's what we're looking for. Yeah, and it really is just a testament to, you know, him executing, him having a vision, and executing on it. And you're you're able to walk off the 18th green with this just undeniable feeling of fulfillment and like satisfaction that you just don't get anywhere else.
0: That that is so well said, and I, I will note to the people like you and I, we both got to Gamble Sands from Seattle, which. Um, is a four. I, I think it took us about four hours and 10 minutes. Was it about the same for you guys from Seattle out to yep, Gamble Sands? Yep, if you are, yep. yeah, for those of you who are traveling from out of state, if you don't want to drive quite that far, you can fly into Spokane and drive just two hours and 45 minutes. However, there are far fewer flights into Spokane and it might be more expensive. So, again, this, I mean, you're talking two and a half hours from the closest airfield that anybody can actually fly into. I mean, it is out there.
1: Yeah, and the drive from Seattle was worth it. It was spectacular. Yeah. I know you, your, group, your group took the southern route through Clay mm-hmm. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I My group, we took the northern route through uh, up in the Cascades okay. um, through a little town called Leavenworth, which that's a whole vacation in itself, a small little hill town on the mountains called Leavenworth that they've kind of replicated sort of uh, Bavarian slash Austrian-themed town, and it's, you could spend just days on that alone. And as soon as you come over the pass, you're looking down at hundreds of miles, thousands of acres of pear and apple groves, wineries, and you're just snaking up along the Columbia River, and the freeway falls it the whole way. I mean, my, my brother and I we were in the car. We had some just classic country tunes playing. We're catching up, just enjoying the views. I mean, it's, it's part of the experience.
0: It is like it is part of the that's the other thing, is man. Like it is so beautiful up there, and not not just where Gamble Sands is, but the state of Washington and the, the whole drive and the the traveling and the getting there, the experience of it all was actually part of what made it so special. Just seeing this beautiful part of the country that I don't spend much time in, um, you know, just snow capped mountains, beautiful forests. I mean, just dramatic landscape everywhere you look. I mean, it is, it is truly sensational. I mean, I don't have to tell you. I think the Pacific Northwest is one of the most beautiful places in the entire world, and uh, to be able to have it be there and having to get through there to get to Gamble Sands is part of what makes it so awesome.
1: It is, yeah, definitely. It's an it's an investment that you're making.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: There is, you're definitely there. Are returns? on that Yes, investment.
0: sir. Absolutely. You know, I did
1: I did some research actually on what six hundred acres in one golf course really means. Oh, please. Just, you know, it's that's some context for the viewers at home. Yes. So. 600 acres of Gamble Sands is three fourths the size of Central Park <laughs> in New York. State. <laughs> and if you've been there, it's big. We're talking. One, we're talking 18 holes. God, so Gamble awesome. Sands, Gamble Sands is larger than the entire country of Monaco <laughs> in Europe. And <laughs> one more, one more. Humor me here. Gamble Sands. This is a shout out to my Orange County folks. Gamble Sands is three point five x times the size of the entire Disneyland Resort down here in beautiful Anaheim,
0: California. No shit.
1: One Sorry. golf course, eighteen holes. Wow,
0: that is incredible. <laughs> it's like it's kind of wild too, because. I guess there are no there's only one part of one golf hole out there where it's it's bordering or touching another hole where there's basically shared grass and that is 17 to 3 I believe. Is there any other spots on that entire golf course where um, holes are bordering one another where that the, to the point where there's actually shared grass between the two?
1: Not maybe it's maybe slightly, you know? I uh-huh. think I think they've looked at where I think they've looked at where some people will miss where the consistent misses will be mm-hmm. from the various boxes and where most courses might add a bunker or, you know, out a hazard they're doing, they're going the opp they're running in the opposite direction, sprinting. And they're not, not only they're not doing that, they're shaving off slopes. They're, you know, adding grass and they're making it slope, you know, back into a more favorable area, which I can appreciate as a, I'm a, I'm a scrambler, you know, for the guys out there that play with me, I'm not really your fairways and greens guy. I'm mm-hmm. a scrambler. That's how I score. That's how I grew up playing, and I'm right there with so you, brother. Yeah, throughout the '90s and early 2000s, the, the architecture theme was, you know, penalizing force carries, separate tee boxes, you know, a five a five minute cart ride in between holes, and so forth with houses. And this is just the, it's the complete opposite. Where they know where you're going to miss, they're going to let you find your ball, and then you then it's a decision time. You know, they're going you need, and then it's like hey, here we're going to let you find your ball. Can you execute and go score? Which I just completely appreciate in a design design facet.
0: Absolutely. And you know what? I think it's about time that you and I start really nerding out on this golf course. So um, <laughs> to, 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 to that same end, I, I think what was so, you know, one of my favorite things about Gamble Sands, the golf course, was, you know, before we even played there, we heard David Kidd in a number of different interviews talking about how he wanted, you know, mid to high handicappers to have their all-time best score here, which... In, in one way, you know, you kind of interpret it as, oh, well, maybe it's an easy golf course. Um, you know, if he wants mid and high handicappers, you know, yeah, maybe he's just making an easy golf course. And I hope that's not why people are love it because, you know, it's easy and it's easy to score on. Um, and I believe the exact quote was, you know, so often the conversation in golf course architecture has been to, quote, defend par. Where out here, I want you to make pars, but I want you to have to work for a birdie. Like, I'm going to defend birdie. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know. People that hit good golf shots can and should make pars out here. It's not the kind of golf course where you're gonna hit a great drive, you're gonna hit a solid approach out into the green. It's gonna hit a weird little something bump, and it's gonna kick out into a bunker. It's, it's not Chambers Bay, okay? <laughs> it's, it is, yep. you know, it, it's one of those golf courses where good shots are rewarded, bad shots might be bad but also it might actually you know help out a bad shot with all the different banks and stuff i have out there but if you want to make birdie you better hit two to three to four excellent golf shots
1: yeah i feel like it it emphasizes um decision making over execution Mm -hmm. i've had i've had had people ask me like you know it's when you say that it's playable for the higher handicappers but challenging for better players with what the heck does that even mean? Yeah. And I think what it really means is is you can literally play this golf course with a wedge and a putter. I mean, that's a factual – I mean, let's just get that out there. That's a factual statement. If you have a wedge and a putter, you can play this golf course. It goes back to – that would be really fun to do, by the way. Yeah, it would be really uh, fun <laughs> to do. <my, laughs> it goes back to my comment of being the feffy grass conveyor belt with just, just connect, connected grass the entire way. But, but really what it means is if you are presented with a shot Every single shot on the golf course, with of course um, exception of a few, every single shot on the course is going to allow you essentially a sure thing, a bailout. So if you're not confident in your shot or pulling off a shot, you can pull out a mid iron or even a putter from 100 yards or so because it's so firm and mm. fast. And you can you can take your luck, you you know uh, take your chances at luck, and hit a something running up by the green, knowing that. You're not going to lose your ball. You're not going into a hazard and you're not going to run up your score, but you're now at the mercy of the slopes. So it's pretty much impossible to guarantee where your ball is going to end up, Right. but you're taking the sure thing and you're taking kind of the safe, the safe way out. However, if you're a lower handicapper and a better player, you may not even consider that option. There's, there's always a, you know, a, a more attractive option to a better player that can attack a pin. And now it's about, can you execute? So if you're going to hit a good shot, you're going to get rewarded for it. If you don't, you're not, and then you're going to be scrambling to save par, save bogey. So you could realistically have a higher handicapper walk through the first couple holes at even par and a lower handicapper be two or three over. Think, yep. God, I'm swinging the ball. I'm swinging the club. Well, I'm two or three over, and this guy's this guy's beating me. So it it's... <laughs> The way that they force you to make decisions on every single swing, without having to be scared of being penalized about the result and not executing perfectly, puts you at ease out there, and it makes it it's playable for everybody.
0: It's really, really well said. Um, looking back on it, what's what's the one? Or you don't have to. I have to just you know, limit it to one. But the one or two things. That when you think back, you know, to your your three rounds of Gamble Sands, you're like, you know what, this is what really stood out about this golf course that I really, really liked.
1: I mean, hole number five. Hole number five is
0: <laughs> That thing is so I, I, crazy.
1: I don't I, I hate to get too hyper specific for the folks that haven't been there. No, but
0: no, please. It's about as
1: and I for the for the architecture nerds, I hate to maybe say that it sort of a template hole using the cape. Uh, the Cape style is the best hole on the course, but I think it really—I think it is definitely, the cape, cape on definitely the
0: cape. Definitely the Cape shot, but also like—I mean, because the thing is, the the T seventeen out there actually has a very is almost more of a traditional Cape template. Um, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's it has Cape vibes to the tee shot, but it's crazy because like it's a Cape hole that you don't want to cut the corner on. You know what I mean? Like it's just—it's yeah, right. <laughs> it, it, so—it's so crazy how much slope there is on that hole. Um, if, if you try to describe it to somebody who's just listening and hasn't been there before, wh- how, what what do you think the difference is in elevation between the tee box and the green?
1: On what hole? Se- o- on, on, number,
0: on number five.
1: Oh, number five. Oh, between the tee box and the green? Yeah. Um, uh, 70 feet? It's, uh, yeah, it's it's a lot. It's it's dramatic. But and it's... It's, it, the reason, just so the viewers understand, or the listeners, the reason why I... Uh, i remember it so much and like a few other holes is that these are the holes where you can do anything i mean it's literally a 500 yard par four or something ridiculous yeah but 500 yards it's, it's yeah that's on paper everything's sloping towards the green the whole mm-hmm. way but where your drive lands and where it ends up there's going to be about a hundred yard difference and it's decision time from there and i think it's just about as close to a perfect golf as you're ever going to find it's i mean you could play it a hundred times and never have the same shot twice
0: jesus yeah i mean it is really really incredible i mean whoo yeah basically any whatever point in the fairway you land (laughs) is going to dictate where it bounces to and how far it rolls out and just you said 500 yards i don't hit the ball especially far I, i certainly hit it a lot farther at you know links type courses because i have a very low ball flight so i get a lot of run um, especially the course like Gamble Sands with a lot of fescue, but, you know, a 500-yard hole, I had 9-iron, 7-iron pitching wedge <laughs> into that hole, which just feels kind of silly to even say out loud. But
1: worth, worth noting that this golf course ran extremely fast compared to anything else most people are playing, but it's still early season. And I think it's also worth mentioning that, yes, the course is playable, and, and some might call it easy, but... Let's remember that in less than a week, they're hosting the local sectional U.S. Open qualifier. Yes. So uh-huh. they're not doing that at a local pitch and putt. By no. Any means. It's a tough course, and it's going to get even firmer and even faster. And that's so. the thing, man.
0: It's like, And you think you've played, you know, links like firm and fast before? I, I cannot emphasize enough how firm and fast this place. I mean, dude, it felt like you were walking on concrete out there. I mean, those fairways are and greens are so hard. I. In three rounds out there, I did not see or I did not see a single ball mark on a green.
1: No, not a single no. one. And when it, when the ball lands, it just has a different sound to it. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, what did you think about the par threes out there?
1: I loved them. I, I thought lo- they were diverse. They kicked, they kicked my ass.
0: They, they that's like they weren't <laughs> that easy. I, I thought they were an unbelievable collection of par threes. I mean, I, I thought as good of a set. Of one shotters, really, as any public course you're going to play. I mean, outside of Pacific Dunes, I I can't off the top of my head think of another course where I liked the set of par threes more than I did a Gamble Sands.
1: Yep, and playing them all three times, I think I part I part them all, I bogeyed them all, and I doubled them all. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, and, yeah. Those green plot close, and then on top of that, it's like you're you're hitting a different club on each one of them. I mean, the first the first par three of the day. You know it's probably like one hundred and forty to one hundred fifty yards, so maybe you know to take a club out that's firm that you maybe you can hit it low and maybe uh, you put about one thirty in the air and let it release up there. But if you listen to notes from David McClay Kid and if you take his advice like I saw you do, it's a par three where literally depending on what tee you're hitting, the flat stick, just like you said, Uh, you're out there with a Texas wedge putting off the tee as a high percentage play for your tee shot on a par three. It sounds like wait this sounds like a fucking putt putt course. No. No, it is, it is not. I never hit putter yeah. on the tee there because I just didn't think I could actually hit my putter hard enough, which I couldn't. But if you can, there it is legitimately a really good play.
1: It, absolutely. It, it is awkward, I think, to swing a modern putter. We all have these fat, funky grips on them, and it's hard to, if you're going to literally take a full swing with it, it's hard to turn it over properly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I had I did struggle with hitting the putter. I tried it. If you can pull it off, it's definitely a great play. Mm-hmm. But I guess more of the point is you might get fooled by the yardage thinking, oh, it's 120, 130 something yards. I'm downwind, firm conditions. I'm going to throw a spinner wedge in there. Absolutely wrong decision. Uh, your ball's going to stop and it's going to end up in the wrong place. Whereas I think, you know, if I could do it all over again, I probably would try to pull off some sort of low to mid iron chip or punch up there and try mm-hmm. to get it started on the right line, depending on where the flag was, because it's just going to roll out. And that's, that's the beauty of Lynx Golf.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. And then, you know, the rest of the par threes out there, I think it's number six, is basically like a loose interpretation of like a 220 yard uh, Redan um, sort. I mean, certainly is not a traditional, you know, version of that template, but it definitely has a lot of those qualities that it's unbelievable. You know, tons of elevation change from T down to the green. And then you have number 10, which actually reminded me a lot of number five at Old Mac. Just a big, huge, massive green with tiers left and right. It basically. You know, it, it plays more like three or four different large putting greens all fused together, and you know, yep. if you go to the wrong one, yeah, you're technically on the green, but boy, good luck two putting. I dare you. I absolutely <laughs> dare you to two putt. Oh, and then I think the
1: whole, I think comparing it to Old Mac is a perfect, yeah. perfect comparison.
0: Yeah, I mean, Old Five. At, and personally, it's crazy because number five at Old Mac is so beautiful and so stunning, and you, I would say that number ten at Gamble Sands is every bit as beautiful, and you know, and some people might argue more so. I mean, it is stunning. I
1: think it's it's one of those holes where it's probably your best chance for a hole to one-op on Mm -hmm. the golf course, but it's also your best chance of four-betting on a par three.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Completely agree. And then um, 16, that is a tough... I mean, granted, we played the golf course in a lot of wind, and some of the staff Mm -hmm. up there said that a lot, like, big gusts aren't normal, um, or at least, you know, aren't super, super common. I don't know, man. We had a lot of wind when we were up there, and uh, 16 was playing into the wind both times, but man what a what an absolutely cool green that is that is one of the coolest kind of bowl i mean it's certainly not a punch bowl but it has a lot of bowl elements right. to it and it is it
1: awesome. kind of has a kind of like a figure eight slash taco shell kind of shape to it mm-hmm. and the hole is the hole is a beast i mean into the wind we weren't not hitting drivers but we were hitting our next club down
0: yeah i, I was choking up on a hybrid and, and getting after it and yeah. i was barely getting it there yeah <laughs> You Which oh uh, man yeah really really good um I don't know man and anything anything else about the actual golf course or I should say the existing golf course uh that that, that we haven't touched on yet that you want to share uh, share with everybody
1: I guess I would just want to mention the scariest shot on the golf course I think it's worth mentioning and I think that's out of question it's the tee shot at three. Oh, my gosh uh, that is... shot, it's it's a part your first par five For if you're a more conservative player like maybe you and I it's probably the first time you've had driver in hand. And the best way I can describe it to people is, who haven't been there is if you're a West Coast person, you know what the beaches look like out here where you've got an elevated bluff and then a 40-foot cliff and then some sand down below. Imagine taking your driver down to the beach, teeing it up and saying, okay, I want you to hit your driver up back up onto the bluff. And, and you have no idea what you're aiming at up there other than just a barbershop pole. And it's if for you, guys, for guys like you and I that have sort of a low trajectory drive. It is extremely intimidating. Oh, dude!
0: It, and the thing is, though, for me, it does not set up well for my drives at all. And yet, I would absolutely say it was my favorite shot on the entire golf course. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cool, right. man. It's, it's 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 similar to number three at Old Mac, but without the ghost tree. Just a blind up over that wild ridge. Except on this one, you got a beautiful bunker line in the entire front side. It's just it. It's spectacular, man. It, it is golf shots like you just don't get to hit anywhere else. I mean, it, it's so unique and fun um, to be able to do that. Because yeah, I mean, wh- when else are you can hit a golf shot like that?
1: Never. Never. So you had you had a perfect segue there into uh, a little segue there into uh, some of the stuff they've got to come.
0: Yeah. Well, exactly right. So. When we were actually talking with our buddy Brian up there. um, He was kind enough to show you and I all the plans that they still have uh, for this place. And I got to tell you, man, with just one golf course and an 18-hole, you know, three-acre putting green, you know, 18-hole putting course there already, it's already good enough to warrant, you know, going all the way out there for, you know, a couple days. I mean, I would happily do the same trip that we just did uh, every single year. I mean, it's still that good. And yet, more is coming. I believe a second 18-hole golf course is... uh, has already been routed. Um, I, I don't think they've selected a final routing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but on the plot of land that they're going to be building the second 18 on, I believe David Kidd has already routed six different 18-hole courses. And depending on where they want to end up putting a small golf shop or or something like that, they'll probably end up using a composite of you know a few of the different routings. But I mean, he's basically already laid out like a hundred different golf holes on the uh, the land that they have dedicated to the second 18 did is, is that kind of the gist what you got from brian when we were talking to him up there
1: that, that is 100 accurate yeah. and good you know good on good on them for letting david kidd design the second course he earned it let him let him just own the whole place
0: yeah i mean, I mean we,
1: no one's going to do it better than he is well
0: it, it's funny because at first my, my first thought was i wonder if that's a smart idea from a marketing standpoint because there's so many golf nerds out there like you and i that want to see what different designers would do with kind of the same you know, you have this plot of land, I'd like to see, hey, what does David Kidd do with this? And then maybe what does Doker, you know, uh, or Crenshaw do with something. But, yeah. but but the big thing is this second piece of land that they're they're gonna be building the course on actually appears to be very, very different from the land they built Gamble Sands on. So I think yep. you're gonna get to see what David Kidd does also on sand, but with a totally different piece of land. Um and I'm up for it, man. I'm excited for it.
1: I can't wait. <laughs> and also the, uh, and also the, um, par three course.
0: Yes. They're mm-hmm. And the par three course is going to be very close. So where they currently have the restaurant and the golf shop, um, the par three course is going to be just down the hill and I'm not, you know, just off a little ledge. I mean, we're talking what 50 yards, <laughs> 50 yards away from where the existing restaurant and golf shop is. They're going to have a really cool, he was saying that's probably going to end up being somewhere between 12 to 14 holes. Um, That sound familiar. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't think they have any shame in copying the Bannon model, and you know what? I hope they do, oh. man, because Bannon's my favorite place on earth, and if I could have two favorite places on earth, that's a win for us. <laughs>
1: right? Yeah, and I know that David Kidd has gone on record saying that, you know, one of obviously Bannon as much as anybody, but one of if he did have a knock on it, it was the shuttle, the shuttle system, and that, you know, you gotta if you're you gotta shuttle to the driving range, shuttle to breakfast, shuttle back to the to the where you're playing, you don't know when to get up or when do we need to leave, he thinks that adds a certain level of stress and that his sort of dream buddy's trip, if you could eliminate that and show up, park, you've got your lodging, your practice facility, your food, and the first tee, all within a 100-yard circle, they have definitely pulled that off at yeah. Campbell's Yep,
0: yeah. 100%, man. Yeah, it is so, I mean, I love getting to that golf resort and not having to put the keys into the ignition of my car until I'm leaving. <laughs> that's right. ex- ex- exactly what I want. It, um,
1: and they're and they're just adding to it with the expanded driving range and the par 3
0: course, right. ad-
1: as well as additional lodging additional and lodging. food infrastructure and things like that.
0: And, and the second thing of lodging is, right now, the existing lodging they have that's down next to the 18-hole putting course is, like you said, probably 150 yards, maybe, from the first tee and, and the other stuff. This new bit of lodging is going to be 20 yards. <laughs> 20 yards away. So, I mean, like, yeah, quite literally, in a 150-yard, you know, line, every single thing at the resort, not including the golf courses, um, are going to be right there. And so it's just, they've got a really special thing going, man. I, I am so over-the-moon excited. Not only that, just I'm excited to go back. I'm going back this year.
1: Lucky, man. Oh. And can, can, we com- can we comment on the lodging briefly? Absolutely. I think they no, really, I, did a great job. I mean, they've, they've got 30, I think it's 38 rooms right? I, these, I
0: don't, yeah, uh, I'm not 100% sure. I thought it, be, it might be 24, it might be 30, 20, somewhere between 24 and 38 rooms currently.
1: Okay, sure. Uh, so a decent amount of rooms. They're brand new. I think they may be a year or two old. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, exec- they executed these things to perfection. They're, they're modern, but they have a rustic feel as well to kind of match the surroundings. All the rooms have high ceilings, fireplaces, walk-in, rain showers. I mean, the finishings are top shelf, and I wouldn't hesitate to say, after thinking about it, that the rooms actually have the best views on the property.
0: Yeah, so hundred percent. They,
1: they they didn't do that on the on the course. They saved the best views on the on the property for the rooms, and the eighteen hole punch bowl style cascades putting course, literally right outside of your back door. Yeah, and so to kid to kid's original dream of not having to drive and get into a shuttle like you would have to do with the punch bowl at Bandon. When you're – you can get out of bed, pour some coffee or a, or a bloody, and you open your door and you take one step out and you're standing on the putting course with the best view of the entire property.
0: Isn't that so incredible? And I, I thought it was a really interesting tidbit when Brian was sharing with us is that it wasn't actually originally going to be a putting course. I thought it was fascinating that they were originally going to build it as a pitch and putt. You got it, yeah. That is so wild. Amazing. Like because. You know, I, I just assume like, oh, well, you know, they did a punch ball banner, You know, David Kidd is Scottish. You know, he's very fond of the Himalayas putting course at St. Andrews. That's an easy one. But to think like, man, it would have been kind of curious and kind of interesting to see what a pigeon putt would look like there. Because I think it was you that noticed like there was like a little tee box up above the uh, mm-hmm. the, the Cascade putting course up there. And like, And when you asked him, what's that about? And obviously he then shares that it was going to be a pitch and putt. I wonder if at one day, after they have two 18s, a par three course in the putting course, maybe... You know that's the way they really differentiate themselves from the other places. Like, you know what? We're actually going to have a super dope pitch and putt where everything's just twenty-five to fifty yards. Like, personally, I think that would be rad. So unbelievably rad.
1: And if that if that putting course is your plan B, then you're doing something yeah, right. right. <laughs> 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 and, and I get I love it because the more they do, the better. Because at a place like this, it feels a little bit. I mean, I, I had the you know pleasure of going to Bandon early on and it does have that feeling of Bandon and from 99 to like 2004 where it was enough it was just enough to be a game changing experience but you could tell that it was something special now there was much much more potential and something on the horizon but very similar to Bandon it's a destination resort very remote it's all golf all day With all due respect to the folks at Brewster you're really not leaving to go do much else no. and so you're there you're there all day and so and it's full of golf junkies lynx golf junkies and so the more that they can do to add to the experience through other things um, like if you're tired and you don't want to walk 18 more holes but you want a club in your hand you got a practice facility putting course practice green par three course i mean the more that they do the more it enhances the experience and you not having to leave the resort while you're there
0: greg that was so beautifully said I feel like that's probably the most perfect way we could put a capper and an end on this podcast. I, that, that was absolutely eloquently perfectly said. I, it is a Lynx golf paradise, and it's somehow – it's not on the ocean, so all the sticklers out there may not say it's technically a Lynx course, but God damn it, it is a awesome, fun, fescue-laden Lynx experience. It is so great. I, oh, I'm already looking forward to going back, my friend.
1: For all the listeners out there, clear your calendars. Go to gamble fans, ASAP.
0: Yeah, that that is that is the move. And who knows? But depending on what your schedule looks like, my friend, maybe I will have to bring you back up as my uh, as you know my my co-host of the uh, of our podcast. I, I am gonna be going back up in October, I believe from October tenth, a Thursday through Sunday the thirteenth. I'm actually putting together a golf guide trip going to be filled with a bunch of our buddies from the Bannon Dunes trip, uh, and as well as a couple of Golf Guide podcast listeners uh, and readers of the magazine. So any of you listening to this, if you want to come join myself and, who knows, maybe possibly Greg, later this year at Gamble Sands, October 10th through the 13th, get at me. I would love to see you there because it's going to be awesome. Oh, Really, wow. really awesome. Oh, Greg, th- thank you so much for doing this, man. This is uh, I- I'm really stoked that I got to share the last couple of days with you. It has been it, it was fantastic, and, uh, yeah, man, I'm already looking forward to doing it again.
1: It was one for the ages, man. Memories memories for a lifetime, and uh, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. All right, well, thank you, brother. Man, that was awesome. Thank you again, Gregory. And uh, one last time, as I mentioned uh, a few times now on this podcast, if you are interested in joining me and a few other golf guide folks at Gamble Sands later this year, October 10th through the 12th, Um, Go to golfguide.net, click on the events link at the top, and sign up for our Gamble Sands experience. It's going to include three rounds of golf, a couple nights at the resort, some delicious food, and some very cool tea prizes, and uh, it is sure to be a really, really good time. So um, with all that, guys, it's been awesome. We are going to be back very soon with a super-duper PGA Championship Preview Podcast, so please stay tuned for that. Tiger Woods, fresh off a Masters victory. It seems like he can't walk uh, based on some golf TV video footage that we have seen. But he is going to try to win another one at Bethpage anyway. So um, with all that said, everybody, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. We will be back soon. And until then, adios.